Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Canada's Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. It is June the 15th, and on this day in 1917, some two months after America's formal entrance into World War I against Germany, the United States Congress passed the Espionage Act. Now, if it sounds familiar because it's one of the acts and laws that's being used currently against President Donald Trump, so here's the information behind it, and enforced largely by A. P- uh, Mitchell Palmer, the United States Attorney General under Woodrow Wilson. The Espionage Act uh, essentially made it a crime for any person to convey information intended to interfere with the U.S. Armed Forces' prosecution of the war effort or to promote the success of a country's enemies. Anyone found guilty of such acts will be subject to a fine of $10,000 and a prison sentence of two, 20 years. The Espionage Act was reinforced by the Sedition Act of the following year, which imposed similarly harsh penalties on anyone found guilty of making false statements that interfered with the prosecution of the war, insulting or abusing the U.S. government, the flag, the Constitution, or the military, agitating against the production of necessary war materials, or advocating teaching or defending any of these acts. Both pieces of legislation were aimed at socialists, pacifists, and other anti-war activists during the World War I and were used to punish uh, effect, a punishing effect in the years immediately following the war during a period characterized by the fear of the communist influence and communist infiltration into American society. It became known as the First Red Scare. <clears throat> of course, uh, McCarthy era in the 40s and 50s was the Second Red Scare. Palmer, a former pacifist who had views on civil rights radically changed once he assumed the Attorney General's office during the Red Scare, and his right-hand man, J. Edgar Hoover, liberally employed the Espionage and Sedition Acts to persecute left-wing political figures. One of the most famous activists arrested during the period was uh, labor leader Eugene V. Debs, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for a speech he made in 1918 in Canton, Ohio, criticizing the Espionage Act. Debs appealed the decision, and the case eventually reached the Supreme Court, where the court upheld his conviction, though Debs' sentence was uh, commuted in 1921 when the Sedition Act was repealed by Congress. Major portions of the Espionage Act remain part of the United States law to the present day. It's not, hardly ever been used, of course, until... Uh, the opportunity to use it against President Donald Trump. Well, just as they did in uh, 2016 when it became clear that Donald Trump was the golden goose of viewership, the big three networks have turned all their cameras to the former president and practically abandoned covering President Joe Biden. While Biden's own classified document scandal is important, he's also tied up in a bribery allegation linked to his scandal-plagued son, Hunter Biden. TV executives apparently have decided that wall-to-wall coverage of Trump is the key to viewership and success. In a report from MRC's Newsbusters, the three have adopted 291 minutes and devoted 291 minutes to Trump and zero time to Biden's scandals. That's not just a Grand Canyon-sized gap, but figuring each full half hour of news devotes 20 minutes to the news and the rest to advertising. That amounts to nearly 15 shows devoted to nothing but Trump. Well, I think there might be another reason, too. So this Trump, is, uh, Trump is now the shiny object that all these news agencies can point to while they avoid covering anything around the scandals involving the briberies and crimes of the Biden family. Donald Trump's 2024 presidential campaign has raised more than $6.6 million since his indictment on Tuesday. 
since deranged Jack Smith took the unprecedented step of weaponizing the justice system to attack his political opponent, Donald J. Trump, for president in 2024. He's raised more than $6.6 million in just a few short days, his campaign said in a statement. It's a clear sign of the steadfast support for President Donald J. Trump and joys from grassroots patriots across the nation. Over $4.5 million has been raised from digital fundraising, with an additional $2.1 million raised at the presidential Trump's event at Benminster uh, last night. Universal polling, uh, both nationally and statewide, shows that President Trump holds an insurmountable lead and is the only candidate who could beat Joe Biden in the general election. That according to, uh, of course, <clears throat> the uh, Trump campaign. Well, the Federal Reserve has decided to pause its series of rapid rate hikes as it reaches a crucial turning point in the effect to uh, efforts to tackle inflation. On Wednesday, the Fed's rate setting uh, committee announced its decision to maintain the existing range for the baseline interest rate, marking the first time since January 2022 that there are no adjustments were made. The Fed's uh, funds rate will remain at 5 to 5.25%, <clears throat> representing the highest level since 2008. This move sig uh, signifies a temporary halt in the rate of uh, cycle of rate increases that have been implemented in response to rising inflationary pressures. Uh, pressures. Now, <clears throat> now, the uh, Fed also announced that they will probably continue, at least have two more rate increases, which hammered the market yesterday. It's down a couple hundred points. But uh, nevertheless, probably wise to take a pause at this point and see how things work out. Well, high-level uh, officials from the CIA, the FBI, and NSA are testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee today, asking Congress to continue allowing the agency to spy on the communications of U.S. citizens. Does that sound like a good idea? I don't think so. They're urging Congress to reauthorize Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA Act, one of the nation's most hotly contested government surveillance programs. Intelligence agencies have long cited the powerful 2008 FISA provision as an uh, invaluable tool <clears throat> to effectively combat global terrorism, but critics, including an increasing number of lawmakers from both parties, say the uh, agencies have morphed the, the provision into an unchecked, warrantless domestic spying tool. And it's so true. I think they just admitted they've, oh, accidentally covered uh, information on a couple hundred thousand Americans. Should not be allowed. That should go away. Uh, we need our privacy. And uh, there, there's more and more encroachment on uh, our privacy as American citizens. Well, the House of Representatives on Wednesday voted against the idea of censoring and condemning Representative Adam Schiff for insisting that former President Donald Trump colluded with Russia to win the 2016 election. In a 225 to 196 vote, lawmakers decided to set aside the censure resolution against Schiff, effectively killing it and preventing a vote on passage. The resolution introduced by Representative Anna Paulina Luna was opposed by 20 Republicans as two other GOP lawmakers voted present along with five Democrats. The resolution was known to be the on shaky ground when some Republicans, with some Republicans, one expected no vote. Representative Thomas Massey said he opposed the idea of a fine against Schiff. The resolution on Wednesday recommended a $16 million fine, but did not require it. <clears throat> now, by the way, that's half of the money that was spent on uh, the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion investigations. Uh, that uh, it costs $32 million. And so I think appropriately saying, you want to, we want you to pay for half of it. So this is just so disappointing that uh, it's not going to get through the Senate anyhow. But nevertheless, it's disappointing that uh, Republicans don't stand. This is low-hanging fruit, and there's no reason why they can't censor somebody who lied and cost so much time and money uh, for the American people. And now... Representative Anna Paulina Luna has announced that she will file a privileged motion to censure uh, Representative Adam Schiff and refer the Democrat congressman to the House Ethics Committee. Her announcement comes shortly after the House voted to table the measure to censure Schiff. Uh, Luna said that she's filing the privileged motion to ensure that there's no confusion, adding that some members of Congress did not accurately read the bill. So see you next week, Adam, Luna wrote on social media. She's going after him. 
she's strong. Yeah, I like her. Well, white, uh, while Starbucks manager fired amid furor over racism wins a $25 million settlement in court, the episode uh, plunged one of America's most ubiquitous brands into crisis. Uh, in April of 2018, a couple of black men entered a Starbucks shop in Rittenhouse Square of Philadelphia for a business meeting with a white man who had not yet arrived. And while they were waiting and before ordering, one of the two asked to use the bathroom. For some reason, the manager said no. Eventually, they were asked to leave. When they did not, an employee called the police. The subsequent arrest, captured in videos viewed millions of times online, prompted accusations of racism, protests, boycott threats. The company's chief executive apologized publicly, describing the way the men had been treated as reprehensible. Starbucks took the extraordinary step of temporarily closing 8,000 stores to teach workers about racial bias. Then they fired the manager because he was white. They told him, we're firing you because you're white. White folks have civil rights too. $25 million, Starbucks, pay up. I think this is just a great message out there right now. I realize that a lot of accusations of racism and uh, identity politics and so forth, but there should be consequences. And $25 million uh, charged and settlement is a pretty substantial slap in the face to Starbucks. Well, during the 2020 uh, primary campaign, Joe Biden attacked his Democrat foes for claiming they were not being forthcoming with their finances. But Biden's own transparency when it comes to the finances is being called into question as the investigators at the Marco Polo Group, which, by the way, is a really great organization, have found he failed to disclose millions in revenue and his wife, Jill Biden, hiding in, in tax-avoiding entities known as S-corporations. Joe and Jill Biden called the S-corporations Celtic Capri Corp and Giacopo Corp, respectively, Funds that go into these entities were remitted to Biden and his family as distributions rather than a salary. <clears throat> when it comes to funds funneled through an S-corporation, the recipients don't owe Social Security or Medicare taxes on it, and the source of revenue can't be traced. We at uh, Marco Polo have uh, quietly tracked these two S-corps for years, Marco Polo founder and former Trump White House advisor Garrett Ziegler tweeted, adding that the annual report obtained by Marco Polo were purchased from the Delaware Corps. Uh, the reports are featured in the Marco Polo, Polo website, which chronicles the uh, contents of the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, Breitbart's uh, Husbo noted, Joe Biden could be hiding his alleged $5 million payment from Burisma in his Celtic Capri uh, Corporation and Joe Biden's entity Giacopa Corporation. Husbo added that the numbers in the Biden's 2017 tax return don't provide revenue line items, accounting for about $10 million. Joe Biden must disclose who paid him and for what. Well, that certainly seems reasonable, doesn't it? So, Biden, again, as usual, he's attacking others for that for which he's guilty himself. And uh, needless to say, the mainstream media is running uh, interference for him. So uh, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that. We'll discover the $10 million that he was paid in terms of bribes uh, from uh, the uh, Ukraine corporation. Finally, in this segment... A California state senator is warning parents to flee the state after a bill that would accuse parents of child abuse if they refuse to affirm their children's so-called gender identity. Senator Scott Wilk raised the warning during his hearing on Tuesday night when the Senate Judiciary Committee voted 8-1 to one to advance Assembly Bill 957, which rewrites much of the state's family law and classifies a parent's affirmation of child's gender identity as part of the health, safety, and welfare of the child. In the past, when we've had these discussions, I've seen parental rights atrophy, and I've encouraged people to keep fighting. Wilk said, and now I've changed my mind. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. How about that? Pretty unbelievable. This is what it's come to. People are not respecting parental rights and the family. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more 
right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Keith Floff, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots coalition. We've grown uh, over the last uh, number of years to over 250,000 people. Uh, that are active in our database. Uh, we uh, focus on K-12 through education from three perspectives. Uh, the legislative perspective, uh, always trying to improve um, education uh, you know, for K-12 through here in Florida. Um, we also um, work really hard to build community teams, call them Kids First teams, um, that engage the whole community on what's going on in education. Uh, and, and so it's more than just focusing on the school board. It's really focusing on uh, trying to get the business community, uh, all of the grandparents and parents and faith-based communities to understand what's happening in our schools, uh, which gets us to our third focus, and that's solutions to help uh, parents uh, find, quote-unquote, a better solution in our government schools. So. I really appreciate your efforts. You know, it's become now a nationwide effort because uh, so many people are realizing uh, what's going on in our public schools and uh, want, to, want to have some influence and make sure that the kids are learning the right things and not being having propaganda uh, pushed down their throat, quite frankly. Uh, so, you know, right now we've just completed a very successful legislative session when it comes to public education. But my guess is you're beginning to focus on the next session, uh, can you tell us what's going on? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, this is a non-election year, so uh, everything <clears throat> starts earlier this year. Um, the um, legislature is actually, the leaders are already starting to look at what they want to see as priorities in the next year, and we're doing the same thing. 
the first committee week, believe it or not, was only a couple months away, the middle of September. Yeah. So uh, we've been reaching out to the speaker um, and to several of the groups we work closely with to put our legislative uh, wish list together, if you will, the things that we would like to see happen. Um, as an observation, and I could be totally wrong on this, but with the governor running for uh, for education, you know, for the presidency, um, it was a really busy year this year for education and successful in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect there's not going to be a whole lot. Uh, there might be some tinkering around the edges, but I think there's going to be a natural hesitancy uh, to not to do anything particularly bold. Um, so we'll see. I hope I'm wrong because uh, there seriously needs to be some some additional uh, fixes to what they did this year and some additional items that uh, need to get in- integrated into our education. So we, we've got a list of about uh, t- 10 items we're working on um, uh, in our draft form and with other groups. Uh, we don't have time to go through all of those, but I could highlight a couple of those if you'd like. I would certainly appreciate that. I will just uh, remind our listeners that uh, early in the show I you know, announced that, that there's a state uh, house representative in California saying he's throwing in the towel and he's telling families who have kids in California schools that because of the new uh, laws that have been uh, changed in California for parental rights, he's suggesting that parents move out of the state, flee the state of California. Can, be- can you believe that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's good advice, I guess. Um I'm, I'm not sure that we want those liberals coming to Florida, but that's another story. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, some of the things we're working on, um, this past year we worked on <clears throat> trying to get an opt-in on sexual education versus an opt-out. Uh, I thought we were making good progress on that in the last minute we got, we ran into a hiccup. Uh, that, in my judgment, didn't really have anything to do with the content of the bill. It was more behind-the-scenes politics. Uh-huh. Uh, opt-in means uh, parents in control when it comes to their sexually explicit material. And the best way I can explain that is if you if you have a child that wants to play football, uh, you have to opt them in. You have to sign and, and agree to have them play. Mm-hmm. They, they can't go play and then you find out about it after the fact and, and raise an objection. So that's really... Opt-in is parents in control, opt-out is government in control, and the onus is on the parent to figure out what's going on. Sounds like so a good we're, adjustment. We're gonna go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it just sounds like a good adjustment to the law. Yeah. Uh, one of the others that we talked about this last cycle, but we didn't make any progress, uh, we have Step Up, which is the student funding organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to House Bill 1 that was passed this year that makes uh, it eligible, every child eligible for a scholarship, uh, to, to go to a private school or uh, home school. Uh, prior to this, they have they were doing about four hundred thousand scholarships per year, uh, and pretty, uh, pr- pretty um, slow and bureaucratic at at that. Yeah, uh, it, w- it would often take four, thirty to forty five days just to get uh, a hope scholarship, for example, process, which is just unacceptable. Now they're inundated. Now that they've got the whole ball of wax. I, I'm hearing more and more horror stories about uh, them being overwhelmed. And, and we want to see the economics of the SFO mechanism change so it encourages lots of SFOs, uh, lots of student funding organizations that are nonpartisan that decide to, choose, to support part of the education uh, student requirement. And, uh, and, and, and uh, we just think competition in that area uh, will will pr- improve the, the quality uh, and the timeliness of, uh, for these scholarships being provided. So we think that's it's going to be an uphill battle because uh, John Curley, who runs uh, Step Up, has a huge political power and is not going to want to give any of that up. But, uh, so that's going to be a, a, a rough hill to, to climb. Well, we One wish you luck other- on that. I mean, it, 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 I just read a couple stories of uh, governors who are... Uh, uh, vetoing uh, some of this uh, school funding and school choice funding and the consequences is that these kids that are living in very poor school districts where they don't get proper education can't get the alternative education they need in order to be successful in school so it's ju- it's just so important the work that you're doing to support uh, families and uh, students here in the state of Florida I don't know if we have time for one or two more uh, how about one more one more okay um, this will be a challenge as well. We want to give voters in Florida 
the right to to, uh, oust school board members and elected, uh, you know, elect local elected officials. Right now, uh, only a, a school board member can only be relieved um, and fired by the governor. Mm-hmm. And many states uh, allow for, um, you know, the electorate uh, to, to do a, uh, um, you know, a recall. Election, a recall. Yeah. And so we'd like to see that. Uh, that may also be a heavy lift, uh, particularly in a, in a non-election year. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, so those are just some of the highlights. We've got uh, a couple of others that are going to be big challenges. Uh, but, you know, if you don't swing for the moon, you never have a chance of hitting it. So. Well, that's right. And we'll look forward to discussing those in, uh, next week. Again, Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I encourage you to visit the website. Check it out. It's a very robust website and doing great things. Uh, it is GoFLCA. GoFLCA.com is the website. Keith, really appreciate your commentary and your hard work for those in Florida. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. And have a great rest of your week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, the Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C., and we advocate the traditional American ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Great organization, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Uh, Michael, I understand that uh, over 1 million Medicaid enrollees have been now dropped from the rolls. This has a lot to do with uh, the changeover from the uh, pandemic emergencies and all that. But uh, uh, what's the status of this whole situation now? So what happened during the pandemic was the federal government said to states, hey, we'll give you more money. <clears throat> to help run your Medicaid programs, which is the government health care program ostensibly for the poor. And every state took the money. And so that meant that they could not do any what we call eligibility redetermination mm-hmm. for as long as the public health emergency was ongoing. That means, you know, 
medic to qualify for Medicaid, you have to make an income below a certain level, and there are other criteria. And as people change, as their income changes, their age changes, they uh, some people become ineligible for the program. And the normal course of business was uh, that uh, when that happened, Medicaid would remove you from the program. The right. states would, would do that. Since they took the extra money, that meant they couldn't do that for the duration of the pandemic public health emergency. And according to the Congressional Budget Office, there were about 15.5 million people enrolled in Medicaid uh, who were no longer eligible Hmm. because uh, their income or uh, other circumstances have changed. And since the public health emergency ended, states have begun to do those eligibility redeterminations. And so far, about 1 million of those 15 or 16 million people uh, have left the Medicaid rolls. Now, what happens to those people once they leave the Medicaid rolls? Well, the Congressional Budget Office says that most of them are going to get coverage elsewhere. They're going to get it either through Obamacare's exchanges or through uh, an employer. And some of them are going to end up uninsured, uh, and that is a problem. But the solution to that problem is not to keep them enrolled with Medicaid when they're not eligible for it. Right. So I understand one of the issues, though, is that uh, the paperwork is onerous and challenging, even for the smartest of us. And uh, sometimes their people are just dropped because uh, the paperwork is incomplete. Well, there's controversy about that. The... Advocates of keeping all of those people in the Medicaid program, and those are there's a lot of overlap between them and advocates of totally socialized medicine, where the government provides health care to absolutely everyone. Uh, they uh, claim that the paperwork burden is onerous. Uh, others disagree. I think I'm one of them because Medicaid is Medicaid spends thousands and thousands of dollars per enrollee. Mm-hmm. And it's not unreasonable to ask people who are receiving those subsidies from taxpayers to demonstrate that they actually qualify for the program, that they meet the eligibility criteria. And a lot of people, uh, the vast majority of people who, 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 have been, um, who have left the Medicaid rolls because of these eligibility redeterminations have left because they didn't do the paperwork, not because they did the paperwork and... Uh, someone realized, all right, you're not eligible anymore. It's because they didn't do the paperwork. And that, to me, says that these are people who don't place very a very high value on the thousands and thousands of dollars that they're receiving from the taxpayers. So they're probably people who are very healthy, yeah. who, who don't need, who, who aren't desperate, dependent, uh, on on those subsidies, and to a certain extent, you know that's fine, because if they don't value the program very much, uh, then uh, then they probably shouldn't be there. Well, so I'll tell you this, Michael. It's, it may be, I'm sure, a combination of both. Uh, my usual dealings with the government is that the uh, the paperwork process is onerous. It takes many times weeks to get something done, and uh, it's not because these people are committed to uh, efficiency necessarily. I mean, you're talking about government bureaucrats. So uh, my guess is it's probably a combination of uh, people uh, perhaps uh, just not feeling the need to to get it done, but also because the government is just not so difficult to deal with. That's probably the, the case. Um, again, that's not entirely inappropriate when you're talking about receiving um, uh, really massive government subsidies. Yeah. in the form of uh, health care. And uh, keep in mind that these eligibility redeterminations uh, that where people are uh, leaving the Medicaid rolls because they haven't done the paperwork, yeah. that doesn't mean that they were eligible. Right. The reason that they might not have done the paperwork is because they're not eligible. Good point. And if they had done the paperwork, we might have found out that they were uh, in fact, it's no longer eligible for the program, and that's why. And, and, and so it's not, it's not the case, not necessarily the case, that people who uh, 
whom the states throw off of the Medicaid rolls because they haven't done the paperwork, were eligible. Yeah. And if they are eligible, here's something else to keep in mind. Medicaid has a policy called retroactive uh, eligibility so that if you do need medical care and you go to a, an emergency room or what have you, uh, if it turns out you are eligible for Medicaid, then Medicaid does provide retroactive coverage so uh, that it, it does provide coverage for the care that you received. Even though you had not enrolled at the moment, all you got to do is enroll. And when you're in a hospital, hospitals have people who will come around and help you do that paperwork. I'll tell you, I just, again, this just makes the case that we need to get the government out of, out of our health care uh, lives because, I mean, it just inflates the cost of uh, coverage and inflates the cost of uh, care. And uh, it's, 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 you know, I know politicians think it's a, a great way to promote people saying, hey, they're doing a good thing for me. But uh, in the la- last analysis, in my opinion, it's not good. It's bad. Medicaid is one of the worst health plans in the country when it comes to choice of doctors. You know, every hospital will take Medicaid patients. Uh, sometimes they'll try to avoid them, but they w- will ultimately take them. But uh, the reason is because Medicaid pays so little. Yeah. And there, are, I know economists who say the best thing about Medicaid is that it provides lousy access to care. <laughs> and they say that because, uh, well, number one, because that can help keep down the cost of Medicaid for taxpayers uh, if you're paying less if you're paying lower prices per unit because Medicaid sets those prices so low. Yeah. But also, remember, Medicaid is a means-tested government program. That means that it's only available to people who are below a certain income thresholds. so that if you enroll in Medicaid, there's a huge disincentive for you not to increase your income right. uh, and become self-sufficient by your own health insurance uh, because you will lose thousands of dollars in government subsidies. That's just and not so, right. And so that's that's a problem. It we is call indeed. It, economists call it the Samaritan's dilemma, uh, but uh, it's again another reason not to worry too much that people who aren't even doing the paperwork are not enrolling, are, are not getting Medicaid. Yeah, Michael Cannon again, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. I just really appreciate your commentary on the show. Encourage our listeners to go to cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, really appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too.
Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that, of course, uh, Lula Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center serves great breakfasts and lunches. They also now, from Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., are serving a great dinner menu. It's inexpensive. It's casual. You don't need a reservation. Just stop by and have some terrific food, including a grouper, snapper, salmon, all kinds of dishes that are just outstanding. So, again, Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's not going well. <laughs> no, but we need your efforts, though. Keep up the good work. You wrote a piece. <laughs> you wrote a piece in uh, your website, lessgovernment.org. Bring out your dead banking crisis, fake news for big banks. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, the uh, I'm, I, I watch. I subject myself to CNBC every morning, and it's very, very. You know, big bank, big Wall Street, big business. You know, if, if the, the guests, if they aren't, uh, you know, executives at big companies, they're in big investors yeah. in the big companies. You know, I mean, it's just, and as soon as this, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, we started hearing about, oh my God, this banking crisis, the Silicon Valley Bank banking crisis. Well, the first one was Silicon Valley Bank, and they were idiots. I mean, I mean, it was any company run by any by this group of people would have gone dead under any circumstances. Right. I mean, the most obvious—they died because they were heavily invested in things predicated upon low interest rates. Right. And then one of the worst kept secrets for months and months was. The the Fed is going to have to start raising interest rates because they printed too much money and now there's inflation. Everyone knew that for months. Then they raised interest rates every month in a row for like 10 months. And Silicon Valley Bank did nothing to adjust to any of this. So, gee, shocker, they died. You know, they, they, they went broke. Yeah. Well... All of a sudden, I started hearing, oh, my gosh, this is the beginning of a bank crisis. This is the... No, it's not. It's a one-off because these guys were idiots. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, this, was, this was D.C., this is big government, trying to kill off the remaining big uh, small banks um, that were left that managed to survive Dodd-Frank. And so they went and grabbed a second bank in New York, um, how much do I hate big government? They had me agreeing with Barney Frank. <laughs> Barney Frank, who co-authored the awful Dodd-Frank law 13 years ago that was written basically by the big banks to kill small banks, is on the board of the second bank, Signature Bank, in New York. Yeah. Well, they didn't like Signature Bank. The government didn't because they did a lot of crypto uh, investing. Yeah. So all of a sudden... Oh, Signature Bank is dying, and we need to seize it. And then we're going to sell it really cheap to our, our crony, um, J.P. Morgan. And Barney Frank's on the board. He comes up and says, the bank's fine. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. The bank, there's nothing wrong with this bank. We, it, 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 we could open tomorrow, and it'll be fine. And so they ended up, you know, we're supposed to take the word of, of the federal government that this bank was going to die, so they, so they murdered it. And that happened with a third bank. There were, there were, you know, they, they, they tried to drum up a banking crisis. One died because they were idiots and would have died no matter, under any circumstances anywhere. And then they just murdered two other banks yeah. and, sold them to, and sold them to cronies. And, I mean, this is just completely obvious. You know, Hugo Chavez seizing assets and giving it to your, your your nephew. I mean, it's just, it's completely obvious cronyism, and no one said anything. It just happened, and we're so used to this stuff that we just, it just, it just passed by, so I wanted to make note of it as it 
Well, and I'm happy you did. Seton, Seton, I think it's such an important lesson. It's so obvious when you're aware of it, but if you're not aware of it, uh, you, you kind of let it pass by. But the fact of the matter is, a big government loves big business, and they don't like yeah. little businesses. And the consequence is that you see laws and policies that are placed and put in place that actually discriminate against the little guy. Well, because, you know, as I said in the beginning of the piece, big business gets huge, and they become sclerotic and slow like big government is. They can't react to things. Yeah. And in the old days, if small businesses started competing with them, they had to adjust and start making their services better and cheaper and their goods better and cheaper, or the small businesses started taking market share. Unfortunately, now... The big businesses, as bad as they are at reacting to, to uh, challenges by competitors, their giant size makes it very easy for them to bribe government. Yeah. So the bigger they get, the worse they are at actually conducting business, the better they are at conducting cronyism. And, and look at it and this way, so, too. The, the, the fact of the matter is, too, is that, that many times when uh, after the laws are passed, the regulations become more onerous and more expensive to administer in the parts of the bank. But the banks... Uh, and, and, uh, yes, like, as I said in the piece, if the big, if big government is imposed equally, it's worse for small businesses because they're less equipped to afford it. And rarely is big government imposed equally. Right. It's usually imposed <clears throat> as a, to be advantageous to big business against small business. Right. So the consequence is little guys get pushed out of business because they can't afford to administer the new law. And uh, you know, right. yet, then, then these uh, big banks end up uh, buying these uh, banks at a discount. See Dodd-Frank. Yeah. See Dodd-Frank. They killed thousands of small banks which were then many of them bought up by the big banks who got 30% bigger after Dodd-Frank, which was supposed to fix too big to fail. Yeah. It's not a level playing field. And Seton, I just really appreciate uh, your pointing out these important issues. Again, the website is lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. I hope you visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. 
And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, they get the politics and they know the policy and they help prepare elected officials to develop winning strategies in state legislatures, also in the federal government. I hope you check out the website. Very great organization, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it is always a pleasure on this hot day. You're not playing golf today, are you? Well, I am. You think that's a bad oh, idea? I, yeah, no, it's just going to be, you know, they say it's index going to be like 108 um, out there. Um, and so just uh, bring lots of uh, lots of water, um, plenty to drink, and uh, you'll hit the ball good. I just know that. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I will say I've decided to play during the summer only nine holes at a time. So Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. get that out, get sense. some fresh air. And, you know, uh, my wife, Linda, had an episode where she was uh, walking. And what she'd do is walk up to waterside shops and get a uh, drink of water and then come home. It was right. about an eight-mile walk. Well, she wow. called, but she had uh, heat exhaustion. And uh, we we uh, read up on uh, how much hydration you need when you're out there in the heat. And it's a lot, a lot more than she was getting. So uh, we're, we're doing oh. things a little differently now. Yeah, for sure. It sneaks up on you uh, really, really quickly um, if you're not drinking a lot. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I I, um, I can just talk about school board a little bit. They uh, they approved the uh, the uh, school board contract. Um, Alfie, uh, I don't know if you know Alfie Oaks had um, had. Um, uh, filed a lawsuit um, yeah. saying that the school board did not hire her the way that um, they should have because there were so many candidates. They had like 45 or 50 or 60 candidates and that the search firm that they hired narrowed all those candidates down for them. So they had about 10 to choose from or, you know, 10 or less. Yeah. And uh, they chose uh, Ms. Riccardi. But, um, uh he said that wasn't a fair process and that they should have interviewed all of them and uh, what have you. But, you know, Bob, I could tell you, you know, right from the beginning from city council experience and the mayor experience that we always gave our search firms the um, the latitude to, you know, they put their, their candidates together, candidates sent all their resumes into the search firms, then the search firms would, of course, show them to us, okay? I mean, they didn't just make a decision, but because anybody we wanted to add to their final list, we could sure. if we saw somebody we really liked that they kind of left out of there. But that's basically what we've been doing for years in the school board, the, the same. So that's what the process was with the school board, and Alfie didn't think that that was right. He filed a suit, but he lost the suit. And so um, I think it was yesterday or whatever they... Um, they passed. They officially passed her contract, and uh, you and I had talked a little bit about that. Um, she's very capable. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm definitely okay with that. Not that it's any of my business. I don't have any, I don't have any kids yeah. in school anymore. But um, I think she'll do a good job, and uh, that was kind of the kind of the headline. City council. Um, I will tell you uh, next week is there is there big. Um, uh, um, last couple of meetings because then they're on uh, break until August, and uh, so they've got a they've got all kinds of stuff on their plate. How they're ever going to finish it, I have I have no idea whatsoever. They were in session last week, Bob. For I'm going to say pretty close to ten or eleven hours, maybe even a little more. Wow! And uh, it's like it's amazing to watch. Just I, I just, I just don't understand why they don't have, uh, like, running a meeting 101 <laughs> or some sort of course to so that people, so there could be some guardrails and, on the discussion <laughs> and, and, and get through the agenda. You should be able to get through the agenda in a couple hours. You don't need 11 hours for crying out loud. No, no, you don't. And, can you know, the, the, the mayor keeps saying, oh, well, well, I'm sorry we had to do this in a long way. But, um, but you know, she's just confused up there on a lot of these issues and then we'll ask a question which really was answered but 
didn't quite understand it, and then they go back around and around, and yeah. uh, next thing you know, one one agenda item that should be handled, like you said, in in fifteen twenty minutes, if you know if that or a little more takes two hours. Yeah. Then they don't get to some of the stuff that they need to get to, like a, a you know an executive session. Well, if you have an executive session. And they tell you in, before they go into executive session, which is obviously not available to the public. It's something they need to discuss privately. It could be about a lawsuit or whatever. You And they say it's going to take 30 minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, then the public or whoever is out there waiting with other items, you expect 30 minutes. I've seen some of them take, you know, an hour, hour and a half, whatever, which is certainly not fair. Well, here's the other thing, too, uh, Bill. You have staff sitting around, and you have people who want to address the city council arrive there at 8.30 in the morning, end up sitting there for four, five, six hours waiting their turn in order to have an audience with the the, uh, board or with the uh, council. council. And uh, it's just so annoying, it's so time-consuming, and it's unfair to everybody. Well, just finishing that up, if you... If you if you if you yourself had an attorney and you had a a, um, a case up in front of them, not a case of criminal or anything like that, but you wanted to build something and you have a zoning ordinance that that you that you needed counsel to hear, and and they give you a they don't give you a time certain. They just say, okay, well here it is on the agenda, and you try and figure out, well, okay, it's the fourth end of my, fourth item on the agenda. It should be what ten o'clock or whatever. They start at eight thirty. And you're still sitting there at three o'clock in the afternoon, and then there are cases where say, "Well, I'm sorry, we didn't get to you today. You'll have to, you know, we'll we'll reschedule you and get you on the next meeting or whatever it is." And imagine the money you spend on having your attorney sitting there with you. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Say, Bill, I'd like to just comment on the school board situation. Uh, sure. I, I think. Uh, uh, I think Alfie was uh, Alfie Oaks is of course the owner of Seed to Table and uh, very politically active here in the community. Oh yeah, and uh, there's no question that he's throwing a hail mary. He's trying. <laughs> he was trying to. Yeah. Uh, and and, oh, yeah. and he lost. And I think he probably expected to lose in the, in that case. However, I will say that I, I know that he sponsored and uh, supported school board candidates that he believed would uh, be conservative and try and. Uh, uh, get a new broom in to sweep, and uh, that didn't happen. One of the school board uh, uh, members that he helped get elect flipped on him, Did, didn't, yeah. didn't vote the way he wanted her to, so I, I'm quite certain that uh, uh, he's disappointed in the results. But to, to, in his defense, quite frankly, uh, we have our school systems, they have schools that are getting A's and B's, and everybody's saying they're so great and everything like that. When you take a look at the international rates of uh, education across the across the globe, uh, here we're giving A's and B's to schools that where their kids are getting, uh, 58% of kids in, in uh in fifth grade are able to read at grade level that's not that's not acceptable we need to do better than that in my opinion was i don't know miss recordella she may be a fantastic person but she she basically bought into she was there for years under the previous superintendent of school so she's going to do things pretty much the same way and that's not going to you know as einstein said if you continue to do the same thing things the same way you're not going to get a different result well that's 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 very true but you know, I think again. Um, you know, I'm speaking for for Alfie. You know, he's he's out there. There's no no doubt about it. And yep. He believes in in certain things, and he'll fight to the end for him. Right. But in this case, yeah, I I, I know that uh, that the, that uh, one member did flip on him, and uh, and uh, you know he's got the money to back up his uh, to back up whatever he does, and uh, which is which is I suppose a good thing, but. I've known I've known his family for oh my gosh Bob yeah ever since we got to Naples so um, as I say but that's I'm just another one and uh, there'll be more more coming obviously so uh, but other than that I'll be glad to see council go on break because they definitely need it absolutely <laughs> Bill Barnett former mayor of Naples I really appreciate your helping us better understand some of the things that are happening here locally thank you so much for joining us. Bob, you take care of yourself. Uh, drink lots of water today, all right? Uh, I'll do it, Bill. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>